Hello, it is D. It is tea with D. And oh my goodness, I have a different setting. It's not Christmas anymore. So, yeah, time has gone by. I have learned lessons. And today, this is actually very appropriate now that I say it out loud. We're going to talk about five things to remember when you fail. Okay. So, um, I could choose to think of not thinking about Christmas decorations in the background for six months worth of uh, vlogs as a failure, or I could reframe it. So I, I'm choosing to reframe it, but onto the topic at hand, failure. So some people think that failure is a fate worse than death. I grew up being terrified of failing. I know that that's not terribly earth shattering. In fact, it's solidly common. Tons of people feel like that. But I hate being common. And it has taken me an embarrassingly long time to reconcile these two ideas. So think about it for a moment. Being afraid of failing, and therefore trying, is common. So if I don't want to be common, then I have to get over the fear of failing. Easier said than done, right? It has taken me, um, or I should say, I chose a vocational path where winning and losing were realities. So the world I was in was competition, ranking, prizes, all of that. And as much lip service as I gave to growth, learning, and development, every time someone I worked with didn't win, no matter the subjective nature of what I do, which is speaking, communicating, presenting, leading, that sort of thing. It isn't math or science, but when they didn't win, I, by extension, failed. After all, as their trainer, coach, etc., it had to be my fault that they didn't end up on top. And yes, it was exactly as stressful as it sounds. Even more so, because every time it happened, I told myself a story about my work. And the story went something like, now everyone will know you're not quality, you don't deserve the money they've paid you, you failed them, you're a failure, you need to quit before you found out. Did this for years, decades even. And it didn't matter that these failures I imagined were statistically quite rare. Frankly, the numbers told a different story, one of competitive success, of business success. It's like the first college class I taught, 40 students gave glowing reviews and the 41st hated me. And no surprise, I framed my abilities as a prof based on number 41. Yes, I recognize that logically, this is ridiculous, but my emotions don't care about logic. Do your emotions care about logic? No, no, they don't. So failure, it feels bad, right? Doesn't it? I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a dumb bunny, but I just couldn't seem to figure out how, on one hand, I could, I know something like, like 40 out of 41 was damn good odds. Yet on the other hand, facts could be utterly irrelevant to how I perceived myself. So I put my big melon to work to try to logic my way out of it. It worked 
as well as you might imagine, which is to say it didn't. So my solution, do everything humanly possible to make person 41 love me too. And not actually because I was a people pleaser. It had nothing to do with that other person, it turns out. What it was really all about for me was the idea that if everyone loved me, I won and I craved it. By the same token, if every person who worked with me won by these external measures, then I won. So I did absolutely everything in my power to win. Know the most, practice the most, train the most, achieve the most, work the longest hours, sacrifice whatever it took to win. Because if it wasn't a win, it was a lose. And a lose really meant fail. And fail meant I wasn't worth anything to others or to myself. Hmm. So if this is going on, how does a person ever try to go about changing failure or their notions around it? Well, for me, around and around I went and would have continued to do so, no doubt, if I hadn't stumbled across the ideas of beliefs leading to thoughts, leading to emotions, leading to actions, and those connections. It was, it was kind of like actually a perfect storm, really. So simultaneously, research, experience, reading topics, training programs, everything I touched all of a sudden brought the same message to me. And I'll be talking about more about these ideas in the future, but for today, I'll concentrate on one idea, and it's this. Because belief or the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves and others in the world we live in. So because belief comes before thought, we will always default to that position, especially under stress. So while I was working on thinking differently about failure, it wasn't enough to change my feelings, not when push came to shove. So essentially I was picking up that string at the thoughts, emotions, action stage when I needed to go further back and start from the origin, the beliefs then follow through to the thoughts, the emotions and the actions. Okay, great. So how on earth do you change your beliefs? Here's the thing about beliefs. We think they are our beliefs. They seem to originate from deep within our identity, and, and actually they do, and they seem to be of our own design. Most of the time, however, we reach adulthood with a set of beliefs that we didn't choose. Nope. Think about it. When you were five, were you really forming your own notions of right and wrong, success and failure? Were you choosing at age three to have baths and wash your hands? When you were seven, were you choosing to do your homework and practice your reading for your own personal reasons? Of course not. You were being taught. Sometimes you were explicitly taught, like, here's how to wash your hands. Wash your hands every time you use the bathroom. More often than not, though, you were learning implicitly. That is, you were absorbing from the world around you. Good girls wash their hands. Successful girls do their homework. When you did something right, you were given praise, or at least you weren't punished. And when you did something wrong, 
there was a consequence. You learn to equate right with good, but the kicker is this, many if not most of us also learn to equate right with good, success with winning. So even when someone said, oh, it's, it's okay that you didn't get the grade, win the award, make the team, etc." the subtext was clear. It wasn't really okay. You internalized these messages as part of your narrative about yourself and your worth. And you've been operating from that belief system in big ways and small ever since. If you choose a big, maybe part of your adult work is digging through that sludge, finding where those weed seeds were planted and pulling up the roots, but you have to choose that. Maybe you're happy as you are, great. Maybe there are bits and pieces of your belief system you're starting to question, which makes you normal. Maybe you're afraid of change. Maybe you're afraid as I was of offending those who had done the implicit or explicit teaching. I was resistant for a long time. But when I switched the lens and realized that those that had taught me had themselves been taught and that this was a chain that was built deep in the past, I made a choice. I would go all Daenerys Targaryen and break the chains for myself, for my children, as much as that's possible, they're individuals and on their own journey, and for the others around me, largely by the example of possibility. In fact, I'd say that 90% of the coaching I do is really around this idea, working with women to figure out which chains need to be broken, adjusted, rebuilt, redesigned, so that they can make a future they want. And this is work, real work. It takes time, effort, commitment, and patience. But speaking from experience, it is so worth it. So in the meantime, though, I want to plant five little seeds of my own today within you, things to remember when you fail. So number one, fail has three key meanings. Number one, it's being unsuccessful in achieving one's goals. Two, neglecting to do something. And three, ceasing to work properly or breaking down. So when you use the word fail, what do you actually mean? It can make a world of difference to get clear on this point. Okay, so second big thing to remember. So when faced with failure, notions of failure, ask yourself, who has defined what fail means to me? Society, family, school, faith. Follow up with the question, do I want to let these external sources have the power to define this for me. Third thing to remember, when again faced with ideas of failure, ask yourself, what story am I telling myself about my value relative to the idea of failure? Number four, look at your world. What effect are your current unspoken or hidden beliefs about failure teaching others in your life? your mentees, your children, your employees, your community. You're a pebble in a pond too. And number five, if you were to rewrite your failure story, what would become possible in your life? So I want you to think of these five seed questions as the work that needs to happen to crack open the seed and start the germination and growth cycle. 
And if you've ever heard me speak before, you know I'm always about the visualizations and metaphors. It is an occupational hazard. So like I said earlier, this isn't easy work. I know that I've put enormous effort into this work in my life, and I know that I get discouraged, derailed, and distracted plenty. Those old narratives and beliefs are powerful, and if you're not on alert for them, they will take back over. Vigilance and support make all the difference. After all, that 41st student still occasionally haunts my dreams when I let my guard down. So fire me an email if you want to figure out how to grow these ideas through coaching. Check out the other blogs, blogs, and podcasts for all kinds of other goodies too. And the other thing, I'm just launching a group called the Tea House, T-E-E House, as a space to support each other. It's a baby group, which means it's just being created. And those that get in the Tea House now will get far more tea with D than when it grows big. So hint, hint, join now. And you can find that the link is in the show notes, but it will be under groups slash the tea house. Okay. So until next time, my lovelies, go be amazing. Bye now.